Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of Dude and a Monkey, as once again we take you to the outer reaches of the Dude and a Monkey universe, also known as the Damn You. It's a place where dudes are monkeys, monkeys are dudes, and everyone goes home with 1% of what Michelle Williams earns. My name is Noel Miller, your host for the show. This can mean only one thing, it means once again... We're in Dude and a Monkey in a Mank mode. Uh, we're playing it forward. And as ever, I will be joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Ian Laurie. Evening. Hi. 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 And if you don't know what Play Forward is all about by now... Um, Fuck you. Now once, again. <laughs> <laughs> once in a while, I give these two the night of hosting, and we all gift each other a movie that we think the other will enjoy for some reason whilst also furnishing their iTunes collection with a shiny new bauble of some description in the process. This time around, I have gifted Ian. Ian has gifted Mark, and Mark has gifted me. So each giver will introduce their reasons for gifting the film before handing over to the receiver, who will offer <laughs> his thoughts thereon. It's always fun, the giving and the receiving, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The giving and loving and sharing and receiving and giving. Um, before we, I've been full of friends references recently. I don't know what's going on. Um, before we crack on with that, though, is there anything that's happened in the wide world of film that we need to talk about? No, everything's kind of gone quiet. It seems to be that everyone's kind of just keeping as low a profile as possible in case yeah. they get accused of sexual harassment. It's that sort of pre-awards lull as well, I think, isn't it? Where yeah. it's just everybody's on the campaign trail anyway. It just it, it makes me laugh that um the Oscar ballots were due in, I think, the Friday before the Golden Globes and all the James Franco stuff started coming out. So he's probably gonna get Oscar nominated and then is then gonna have to spend a solid month basically dodging questions about sexual assault. So that's yep. gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it is one person who I, who I reckon just doesn't give a fuck and will try and pass it away with a cheeky smile it's James Franco even though I mean to be fair I mean like the Casey Affleck stuff kind of blew up like around the time of the Oscars last year but because um, it, it was interesting because it, like it was the previous winner was supposed it, it's like they do with the Oscars the Golden Globes mm. it's like whoever won the best actor in a drama does like does the nominations for best actress and vice versa and he didn't do it at the golden globes and i suppose it's probably not a surprise why mm. yeah like, yeah so it, i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens at the oscars but um we, we we've got an email oh, um, oh yeah. so at work today one of my colleagues was listening to do the one of your emails from work are you no 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 <laughs> What, what, you what, touch me in that place again I would like to make a far more complaint that's not that. how do you know that um, <laughs> no he was listening to Dude and a Monkey because hashtag while, me too Ian because hashtag me too hashtag time's up I'm, I'm done I'm done <laughs> anyway he was listening to the show while he was working and he sits two two spaces away from me and it was very disconcerting because he was commenting on what I was saying on the show while I was working. And it was, it was very odd. But he's emailed in. Um, he's an interesting guy, is, is Paul. Um, his, his wife hates him so much she lives in another country. 
Um, she she actually she lives in America and he lives over here. He is he is emigrate emigrating uh, uh, later in the year. Well, he, he he's been saying that for the last couple of years. I'm actually fairly sure his wife doesn't exist. Um, so uh, it's, a girl, it's a girlfriend in Canada situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think so. Yeah, like he he, he took a week off um, a couple of weeks back, and um, you know he was putting pictures of him and her up on Facebook and stuff. I'm pretty sure it was Photoshop and jizz. So, um, <laughs> but he, he's 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 got an email here, which I'm just going to read out briefly. Uh, hello, guys. First time emailer and first time listener. Must say I was highly impressed. And as Ian Netflix original movie Loring will attest, I'm not one for bullshit. So please take that as the compliment it was intended. But yes, okay. That, it's good. He is a straight shooter, is Paul. Um, I found all the lists while not agreeing wholly. Very fine indeed. Sam's one glaring omission. One of 2017's surprises, technically 2016 in Trumpland, was Anna Biller's amazingly well shot The Love Witch. Have you guys heard of this? I have. Yeah, I, I've got it on my iTunes, so and I've not watched it yet. Yeah, yeah quite. It looks, um, it looks incredible, and it looks very. Um, what's the word? It lo- it's clearly a love letter to a bunch of things, and it looks yeah. like it's been very carefully and. Um, it looks like it's been very carefully crafted, and is exactly the type of thing that I enjoy. I just keep forgetting about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So he he continues, while the story is not exactly revolutionary, the look and feel of this little gem are exceptional. It is a true true feast for the eyes and a delightful treat for fans of 50s, 60s Technicolor flicks. M. David Mullen, the cinematographer, deserves high praise for getting the aesthetic perfect. Keep up the very good work, sirs. You have a new convert. Uh, Thank you, Paul. That's that's very nice of you. Go fuck yourself. And um, I'll I'll see you at work, you twat. Um, (laughs) Right. Anyway, moving on. Sorry about that. Well, fun, funnily enough, I was actually going to take a moment before we uh, before we cracked on to to congratulate you on the end of the year show, actually, because um, as I kind of um, touched upon, Paul, if you're listening to this, I only host this thing once in a blue moon, so don't worry, it's okay. Normal service will resume. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was going to congratulate you on the end of the year show because as I kind of touched upon on the WhatsApp group. Um, I only really listened to one other end of year podcast, sort of top best of the year type show. I've, I've spoken about it many times mm-hmm. in the past. I'm not a fan of best of lists. I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not a big fan of them because I don't know what best really means um, in, in the context of film and art and stuff like that. Um, but the one other show that I did listen to was very cynical and very miserable and very, um, you know, it felt like they were doing it because they had to do it. And a, a lot of the top, a lot of the conversation on there was quite sort of um, begrudgingly. I don't know. It just wasn't a pleasant experience to listen to. Was it, was, I was listening to your, what, just to say, was this the podcast that one of the people literally said they didn't have a number 10? Yeah. 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 Just for the just for the sake of it, really, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, it just it, it just felt very cynical and sort of as that show can from time to time. Mm. Um, whereas I then listened to, uh, I'm actually a few episodes behind on that show, and it feels a bit a little bit like it's drifting away from me, and I might just unsubscribe to be honest. Mm. It, it does me anything from time to time. But anyway, um, but listening to your show, it was kind of. 
a very positive, nice experience to hear two people just talking about things that they really like and all the reasons that they really like them. And it all felt very genuine. And I felt um, that what you were talking about early on in the show as well about, you know, maybe Ian, you in particular, you have sort of lulls where you fall out of love with film a little bit and Mm. you feel like you're back on the film boat. Mm. I feel exactly the same way at the moment. I feel Mm. like last year I gave film a short, a bit of short shrift and I'm really hungry to sort of get back into things again. So it was nice to, to do that and, and go away with a list of things that I'm like, yeah, shit, I really need to catch up on this. this, this. Um, so yeah, very positive. Excellent show. Well done. Thank you very much. I feel sufficiently excellent. jerked off. Yeah. <laughs> now. Um, all right. Well, I guess we may as well crack on from here then. Um, so as we usually do, um, I will throw things over to uh, to someone else to talk about why they gifted the other person. And as Ian has gifted Mark, I'll hand over to you, mate. Do you want to tell us what you gifted Mark and why? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I gifted Mark my, I think it was number 12 film of the year. I think year. it was your number 12, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is... Um, uh, the villainess. So I touched on it like really briefly on on the end of year show because because um, I knew we were going to talk about it. So this is a film that got um, quite a bit of like buzz. It played like genre festivals and whatnot, and then it um, you know it just it kind of came out on VOD. And I was like, oh, fucking okay, I'm hearing some interesting things about this. So I'll uh, I'll give this a watch, and I was kind of blown away by it. And the the thing I'm kind of intrigued to see in in this discussion is. You know, essentially, Mark has got a massive hard on for the raid films, and yep. um, I don't. And uh, I mean, the first one's all right. The second one's fucking bobbins. And Mark, you'll never convince me otherwise. So you know, <laughs> fuck you. Um, but the yeah, the the villainess. It's this one that you know. It's Asian. It's got some very intense action in it. It's got some seemingly one shot sequences. Um, but I think it also had a plot which I thought actually led an emotional heft to the action especially towards the end now i know noel didn't get time to see this which is fair enough because it is 129 minutes long um so i i am i i think we are gonna have to go full spoilers so apologies oh go for it go for it it may be a film that i eventually get to it's just i tend to need a little bit more convincing with these anyway so yeah maybe you'll be able to do that okay cool Uh, okay sweet so yeah i um uh, and I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't get time to re-watch it, but I only watched it for the first time a few months back, so it's still relatively fresh in my head anyway. Um, but yeah, I was, by the end of it, I was kind of fucking blown away. Uh, like, the the ending is quite something for me. So, with like it being so kind of high up in my year-end list, and with the other praise and whatnot, Mark, did you feel that... The, the kind of the reception for the villainess is overblown or do you do you agree with me that it's a, a special little action film with an emotional edge i'd absolutely agree yeah um Sorry. certainly it's um there are there are comparisons i think um that you can quite easily draw in terms of a stylistic approach um as as the raid, I, I think you could definitely say. And I think they're drawn in very much from the the opening 
to the film mm-hmm. the, that, yeah. that opening battle yeah. you know with the fact that it's, it's in those narrow corridors um, they've taken a first person idea and it, it's quite a unique kind of idea it's not it, it's not a particularly unique idea but they don't I like the fact that during the action they don't absolutely stick to that because remember in uh, Hardcore Henry the whole thing was it's all first person which was quite cool and everything like that but I did start to think with this I hope all of the action isn't just first person here because they're doing a lot more there's a lot more skill involved in in the way that this action works than something like Hardcore Henry works I'd I'd like to see that from a different angle so I was getting a little bit with that but it is it is high octane it does run very fast and uh, it is it's not so it's not glorifying in the uh, the impact of the violence, if you get what I mean. It's not going, oh my God, look at this broken arm, look at the bone shooting out, look at all this. It just is very much bang, bang, bang. And it's it's more glorifying in the, the speed and the skill of the character that you're watching do this. Yeah. And it's I think it's quite interesting the fact that you've got her essentially you're coming to this person and you're thinking right this is an assassin she's gone to do this this and this and this and then you find out that actually no she's kind of an assassin but then she becomes more of an assassin and it's just there's there's a lot going on there's actually and you are right there's a lot of there's a lot of plot here and sometimes when you get a lot of plot with um korean movies there can be a little bit you go hang on a minute you've got too much plot you've overloaded it with plot and I don't get why you had that and I don't get why you had that but this is one of those I think where it has an actual flow um, and it does it, it, it jumps back with flashbacks and things like that but it's quite easy to follow in terms of the flashbacks you kind of you always know where you are with it which was really quite enjoyable and the fact that you've got two kind of lead characters but they're the same character but pre and post surgery uh, but they're not they're not completely different in the way that they that, that, that they look whereas you go oh well it's 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 easily discernible but the film makes quite easily discernible there's also some great fucking foreshadowing in the script so it's actually quite an intelligent script as well mm-hmm. in, in there there's a, there's a few moments where literally before something happens something within the film tells you it's about to happen and tells you exactly what's about to happen. That's interesting. I don't think I've picked up on that. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember the exact examples uh, of it, but there's a few bits where it, 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 it there's a line delivered, um, and then that thing happens. And it's the line isn't said for, for what it's going to be. It's almost like a throwaway line. For instance, um, when she... Uh, when she's gone on the date with the guy who essentially is her handler, but she doesn't know he's her handler. And then she gets the call to go from the chief to go and do the mission. Mm. She says to him, Oh, it's my friend. She's been in an accident. She has no idea that she's then going and that her friend is going to be doing this mission with her. And that her friend is then going to, and I'm sorry, all spoilers all the time. Her friend is going to be killed during that mission. She has no idea that's about to happen. It's just an excuse. And it happens a couple of times later on in the the play that she's going over. It's she's saying a line that she's saying is, you know, I never I I thought you were gone and then you came back and now I've got to kill you. And it's like 
and that's actually what's looking about to happen with her ex-husband that she thinks is dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's, so that's interesting. There's, and there's another one, and I can't remember the other one, but there's another one as well. And it's really, they're not dead on the nose. It's not, but, your daughter's about to be murdered. Yeah, yeah. But, but they are, they're, they're clearly purposefully put there. And it's really, it's just clever writing. Yeah, I mean, they, and I mean, even the title of the film, but it, it, yeah. it, it just, it's like, you're watching it and you're thinking, well, what, who's the villainess then? Because she's the hero of the story and she seems pretty mm. fucking like the hero. But then by yeah. the end, you kind of realize that it's almost like, it's almost like retroactively called the villainess. Cause it's almost like it's an origin tale for a woman who's been fucked by everything around her. And she's basically <laughs> going to turn evil. Yeah, uh, you know, and that like because the kind of like crying, laughing she's doing at the end is fucking like when she's like she's in that wreck, isn't she? In the yeah. uh, like uh, after the end, and like that's kind of how the film ends. And it's like, right, I kind of want to see a sequel where she's like the head, like a badass head of a crime organization, but it also that feels like a really depressing, like a depressing turn of events at the same time, but you kind of want to see it because she is such a badass. She is such a badass. And the thing is, I think I remember when you spoke about on the podcast, um, I think a line you used, I might be paraphrasing slightly to you, is you said, it's just, this woman just goes through so much shit in this movie. It's just, you just start to feel bad for her. Yeah. No, you do Um, though. You do. do. (laughs) Yeah, because she's, She's not, you know, she's, she has things like her father killed in front of her. She doesn't seem like she's had that great a life leading up to there. Then she's taken in by a crime boss. Then she's, she loses her husband and then she goes on a revenge fucking mission and then is captured by these, this association who essentially keep her captured by using her child as a what is it. And then everything else continues happening after that. And it's just like, fucking girl can't catch a break yeah no i mean she really can't catch a break but the vengeance is really 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 satisfying you know it it kind of plays on that primal wanting to see shit get fucked up but at the same time afterwards you kind of like realize shit well did that really help anything i mean in a way it kind of it, it's like you know the, the sequence in Kingsman, the um, the first Kingsman, where um, Colin mm. Firth is kind of going mental in that church, yeah. And, it, and it's almost like you're wrapped up in it at the time, but then afterwards it's just a load of dead bodies around, and it's like, well, how do you feel now? It, it's mm. it, it's kind of like that, but in the form of a over two hour film. Um, but the action in the moment is fucking amazing, so it works. What, what I'd say. For yourself, Noel, is because you. I know you weren't a. You, you, you the raid was just not. A, a, it didn't really get you, did it? It didn't. No. 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 I remember having a, having a conversation with you. And I, I, but what I would say here is, the action I would say is almost secondary to the the story, and whereas with yeah, the raid, I'd the action is the fucking yeah. story. Um, I think that's it. I get a bit, I get a little bit bored with 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 full on action, and I think with the raid, it was very much that. There was just that. There was a bit too much of that, and not enough 
other stuff going on. And there was an expectation thing with the raid as well. It was one of those things that a lot of people have been banging out, banging on about an awful lot by the time that I got around to seeing it. Um, yeah. So this has more... There's, there's, there's a lot more story going on, and there's a lot more... It's What I found quite good about it is, because my worry that, that a little bit with it was, if this is just a two and a bit hour, basically the raid, but with a chick, I'm going to go, that's fine, but does that need to be two and a bit hours? And then when it opened, I thought, do you know what? I could probably get away with two and a bit hours of this action. But then it, you have the opening scene, and then from there, it's the action is set pieces. It's done like an like an action film rather than an out-and-out martial arts film, which essentially, that's what The Raid is. The Raid is a martial arts movie that just goes, well, what if you didn't have any of the bullshit fucking talking in martial arts movies, and it was just one big, massive fight? Uh, this isn't just one big, massive fight. It's set action set piece, story, 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 montage, little training thing, action set piece, story, 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 action set piece, ending. Which kind of makes sense. That's how action, a lot of other action films were. You you use the action to, to kind of to pet people up and then you tell a story and then you use it like that. And that's what it does. So you've got that you've got a, a really high quality in terms of your action set pieces, but also as well, you've got that, that story that's there that, that often Korean films can put across where they're actually, they're going, do you know what? Fuck it. We're going to throw a lot, a lot at this and hopefully a lot of it sticks. And with some Korean films, it doesn't all stick, but with this, it, it does kind of all stick and it does make sense. And I think the fact that, that the lead performance is really quite strong outside of the action helps it enormously no I, yeah no absolutely that that lead gun to get a name now um um oh, King oh, oh, yeah 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 she's she's great she's like she's super super relatable despite the fact mm. she's in this fucked up situation um but she's also incredibly kick-ass she's believable as like the single mother and as the kick-ass action heroine. Um, yep. I was just going to say, as well, I mean, the, in terms of the, the action and whatnot, I mean, it does chill out quite a bit after that first yeah. 45 minutes or so. You know, there, there is action through the film, but it's not, until the ending, it's not quite as intense as the opening sequence and the sequence with the motorbikes where they're just swinging swords at each other. Like that, yeah. like that sequence, by the way, that feels like it was made in a land where life is cheap. Yeah, yeah. Like, fucking like that. I cannot believe they got away with that shit. <laughs> like it's it's, yeah. pre- it's pretty crazy. Like how dangerous that, but real that stuff looks. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing. After, like, like you say, it does kind of feel like at first it's going to be oh fuck me, it's just going to be this for two hours. But mm. then it does slow it down, and it's like there's quite a bit of like meat cute kind of stuff in there, even though in like in the background, it's like this guy has basically been trained to seduce her. And it, yeah, it, but it, I, like, it I like the fact that dark. he's so crap at it. At first, yeah. 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 Thinks he's doing really well. And you watched it going, Oh God, you are so fucking creepy, mate. <laughs> You're trying too hard. And he's there going, 
ah, yeah, I think I'm doing really well. They're like, she's just asked to do a background check on you. You're coming on too strong. Yeah. <laughs> Chill out. He's like, nah, I bet I can get a date. <laughs> you suck at this, man. No, he fucking does it, though. Fair play. Um, <laughs> he does it, yeah, to be fair, when he does it. Um, so, yeah, oh, great. I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a really good time with it. Um, and it's, it, it's a very, I would be definitely uh, playing it forward. Um, it's, it's, it, like I said, the action is solid, but there is, it, it doesn't feel like it's a two and a bit hour movie, is what I'll say there. Mm-hmm. And if, if a film, if a film is beyond two hours and it doesn't feel like it's two hours, um, then you're doing well. Also, it looks fucking great. Yeah, it does. It does. It's it's so. It's a really well fucking shot movie, and it it, it often this is one thing that often baffles me is you don't get that many um, Asian filmmakers um, who come across to to the US to do to do films. They they'll occasionally they'll come across they'll dip their toe in the US market. And it's because they're doing films in their own market and their own market is is usually quite profitable for them and that that's where they want to make movies. They want to make movies and you know for their own for their own market and the world sees it beyond that. So I'm not saying that all Korean filmmakers should aspire to go make an American movie. That's yes, not what I'm meaning. Yes you are. Um, but what I'm saying is it is it, it seems to be that they, they very rarely um US filmmakers or US studios look at the Korean especially cinematographers and go fucking gonna use them because they're fucking great <laughs> the lighting and everything like that mm-hmm. looks fantastic yeah it feels like yeah. that happened a few times in the past and it's it's not it doesn't happen these days yeah. I mean obviously the, the obvious one is when John Woo sort of started making American, American movies that felt like a big deal at the time Mm. Um, but yeah, you don't see that very often now, do you? Really? Well, no. I mean, King, um, fucking Kim Ji Woon like tried it with the, the Last Stand. That was Kim Ji Woon, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and like Park Chan Wook came over and he made yeah. Stoker, which is fucking yeah. amazing. Uh, but then he's he's gone back. Stoker, to do, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite. But then he went back to do The Handmaiden. I don't know. It kind of feels like that kind of wave of hot like Asia being like where the hot shit was coming from seems to have died off over the last few years. Um, I mean, what like Bong Joon-ho, what did he last? Oh, it, it, fucking Okja, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, you do have o- Okja. I suppose that it, that is an exception there. Um, and previously he had Snowpiercer. So he is doing something, but at the same time, Okja also had an awful lot of foreign language content in it as well. Yeah, um, and Snowpiercer was essentially a, a the film that I, I very much enjoyed. Snowpiercer, I think it's a very good film. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, um, everything from once the film was made, went fucking disastrous for that movie. In terms of for release and everything, it just didn't. They fucked it up basically. I they fucked up what was a very good movie. I can't believe that thing still doesn't actually have an official release in the UK. Yeah, it's that's mental. Isn't it? mental. That's no yeah, like yeah. because I mean, fuck. There's a, I, I think it might be Amazon or something. There's a TV series adaptation coming of it as well. Um, yeah, and I think Jennifer Connelly's in it, if I remember correctly. Mm. Like Scott Scott Derrickson directed the pilot, so it, it, and it, it is going to series. But it, it it's like, how the fuck doesn't that get a release? I mean, you got Chris Evans in there, Tilda Swinton, um, 
fucking I, guys it's been a couple of years since I've seen that now um, it's, it's, Jamie Bell's there Ed Jamie Harris Bell, is Ed in Har- it John Hurt Octavia yeah. Spencer yeah there you go it's, 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 it's a really good cast yeah and, and it, yet, costs, it costs like 60 million dollars it, it just how doesn't like Netflix or Amazon just buy the, the UK distribution rights for that it kind of like it feels like it would get watched well, it, it, the thing is, it was it, it was on it's on Amazon US. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was Weinstein got the US rights though, didn't they? So it's yeah, um, yeah dirty, dirty Weinstein. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just a shame that. But this this director, I I don't know who the fuck he is. Um, which is actually a bit disrespectful to me, considering we just spent like twenty minutes talking about his film. Uh, two ticks. Um, Jill, Young Gil Jung. Yeah. That guy. I'm assuming he's a guy. Yeah. That's Maybe. awful as well. Maybe I should um, assume he's a guy. <laughs> uh, he directed... He's directed a few things, actually. I might go back and actually give... He's got, he's got another film called uh, Confessions of a Murder. Oh, that sounds all right. He's, and one called Action Boys. Action Boys. That's a documentary. Hmm. Documentary on five, you want to be stuntman working in the South Korean it's film not, industry. It's not, the, it's not the one that you're thinking of, Ian. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow, you know the one I want it to be. Um, uh, and his other one's funny. called "After the Statue of Limitations Expires on Murders He's Committed." Ah, but a guy who basically describes all the murders that he's committed uh, after the Statue of Limitation on Murders has has passed. That's pretty. That's pretty good. It's got some decent reviews actually. I might give that, I might try yeah, nice. give that a watch actually. Just going back to the point of bringing in sort of Korean directors, I can't help but think that maybe you would think that Hollywood would approach um, the sort of this type of, the director of this type of film to maybe tackle sort of lower tier comic book movies. So I'm thinking, you know, if they did manage to get another Dread movie underway or they they wanted to adapt something from 2000 AD or they wanted to adapt some sort of, um, or even some of the Netflix stuff, like you, you would think that this sort of hyperkinetic action could be enough to elevate um, a sort of lower t- lower tier comic book character that maybe people didn't know about or care about too much. Yeah, or even just a, like even something like a John Wick or something like that. Just you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's it's literally a case of like you say, they're they're doing enough for their own market and making enough money in their own market that they they don't need to to come over and do a, a cheap Judge Dredd film. That, that's that's it. But you you know that there may be something like, I don't know, if the if this um if this John Wick T V series goes ahead and they decide to make um sort of different if if it's about the continental and the continental they're gonna go a different sort of essentially branches of the continental uh, you could quite easily there go right well they're going to be in korea the korean continental let's give it let's give fucking two episodes to that guy who directed oh, yeah. that and if it, we're going to go to the fucking norwegian continental let's give it to fucking somebody from norwegian noir and you know mm. we're going to go to the to england we'll give it to somebody from that and we'll do that and bounce around and kind of give you know, it'd be a good idea, you know, to give that kind of that feel um, for somebody who who's made films around there rather than 
just sticking to the you know your standard sort of directors, it, it would add a uh, an anthology element to it, I suppose. God, that'd be good. I need to fix. I need to fix my John Wick problem. I've got a John Wick problem. Um, so I watched John Wick, uh, and I absolutely loved it. But I was drunk when I watched it, and I can't really remember it that much. I just remember having a great time drunk watching it. Um, so I've not watched John Wick two yet. I'm desperate to watch John Wick two. But I need to find time to go back and rewatch John Wick One because I feel like I need to do that before I just go into John Wick Two without really remembering the first film. Uh, I mean, I'm sure for plot purposes it wouldn't be that big a deal, but I just feel like I owe it in that rewatch before I go into the second film. That's fair. Yeah, okay. it's it, it, it's a it's a oh, it's fifteen quid for the two pack on iTunes. That's Is nothing. It? it holds up as well, actually, John Wick. The first one, yeah, and the first yes. one's 4K as well. So when you get 4K, you'll have oh shit! No, it's not. That used to be 4K. I swear that used to be 4K. Oh well, still when it is 4K, it'll be 4K. By the time I get to 4K, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay then. So are we happy with the villainess then, Mark? You would pay it forward. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Okay, well, uh, it's another one I'll put on my to-do list. It feels a little bit to me like if this pops up on Netflix, it might be perfect because that way I can download it and watch it in a couple of sec- like a couple of sort of train journeys and stuff. Yeah, that'll um, work. That'll work because that way it's it's you know, I mean, the action scenes might probably work better on the big screen, maybe, but just being able to break it down into uh, into halves or quarters uh, might suit me quite nicely. So I'll wait for it to pop up on there. Oh, nice. Okay, doke. All right, so that was the villainess uh, success, I think. Um, Absolutely, yeah. From here, so um, Ian gifted Mark, and Mark gifted me. So, Mark, do you want to talk us through your choice for me this week? Yes, um, my choice for you was the 1988 Richard Pryor movie, uh, Moving. Um I, I know that you're a, you're a fan of this ilk of kind of zany 80s comedy. And so it, this is one. The, the thing is, this is a strange one. You'll actually quite enjoy the, the my first watch of moving uh, happened when I... There used to be years ago, and you will probably have had this. Uh, no, you probably won't have, Ian, because you've probably been a little bit too young for it. Do you remember the video? Do you ever, did you ever have a video, man? Which was literally a guy in a van, yeah, yeah, we did. Who, who drove around with with video with like a video rental store in the back of his van. We we had one, but we didn't use him because we had a store that we sort of knew the guy who ran, so we didn't use yeah, well, him. But there was one in our area. Yeah, yeah we, we had a, we had a, a store, but we also had a, a video man. Well, the video man um, decided once that he, he had too many videos. Um, so was getting rid of a few. So said the, oh, the um, perils of being a video man. Yeah, it was because I'm a video man, and I've got too many videos. It was literally that, and he said that. So he said, if you rent two out of this box, you can have two movies um, to keep. And so, well, so it wasn't actually. It wasn't renting then. It was just no, 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 with that, give me money I, 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 I rent- for two of these videos. No, I rented two, and he had like a little box that he had that were ones that he was essentially getting rid of. And he said, "You can pick two out of this box 
what, after you've rented these two movies, you can pick two out of these boxes and you can just fucking keep them. So, um, rented these two movies and he gave it this box. and said, oh, pick a couple out of there. My dad just said, I'll oh, just pick a couple out of there. And there was three movies in it. One that looked shit. <laughs> so I didn't get that because there was only like three left. And the other two that were left were the Richard Pryor movie, Moving, and the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Double Impact. So I was like, fuck it, I'll have those two. (laughs) So I picked those out, um, and off off he went. But they were in the the, the big fucking rental boxes that were bigger than a normal video box. Uh, And so I I had that, and I, I always kind of got on really well with Moving. But I will say... A, a key reason for why I also picked this for yourself and a little bit for Ian, I'll be honest, but merely yourself was yeah. there's a cameo. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, there's it a is. cameo in it, and I thought if 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 I can get it so Noel doesn't know who the cameo is <laughs> and Ian doesn't know who the cameo is, the <laughs> moment when the guy appears, they're both gonna be like, "Holy shit, that's magnificent." <laughs> Well, it was beautiful, and I will get on to it. It was beautiful because not only I think you'd mentioned, I think you'd said something like, "There's a cameo, oh, there's a great cameo yeah. or something." Yeah, you did. So not only did I not know because in situations like this, and in most situations, I do I intentionally don't look look it up. Mm. Um, I intentionally don't want to know too much about the film and, and stuff like that. So not only that, but I kind of forgot that you'd mentioned the cameo. So when it did happen, I genuinely sort of like jumped out of my seat and went, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. And I just thought it's a, because like I said, the the, the great thing about uh, playing it forward is we're not picking amazing change of life movies. It's just movies the other person will enjoy and we'll get something out of. And I just thought, I have a feeling no will will get on with this. Well, so. I, I, I just wanted to say it got to the bit with Rodney Dangerfield, and it was like I didn't know Noel was a Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> fan. That's interesting. <laughs> All right, fair enough then. Because like, I just thought, okay, I've missed that particular conversation, and then and then it happened, and it was just like right. Uh, well, yes, no, that is actually perfect. <laughs> and he's just he's perfect. I know we're going to get on to him, but he's perfect. Yep. It's the cameo to end all cameos. Mm, yeah. Uh, all right. So, so then, then. go on then. Okay. Right. So, moving. It's uh, it's not a film that you do need to look up. Actually, it's Richard Pryor moving is what it says <laughs> on the front of literally on the front of the box. And that's what the film is. <laughs> um, so Richard Richard Pryor plays Arlo Pear, which is just some weirdly made up name that sounds like an anagram of something like they wrote down a rude word and just made an anagram Arlo Pear. And someone actually um, points out how weird the name Arlo is at one point as well. Um, also stars Stacey Dash, who most people will of course know from Clueless and a bunch of other stuff, um, who is a dead ringer for Whitney Houston apparently in this film. Yep. Didn't, I didn't get that, but that's, that's fine. Um, and yeah, it's essentially, it's the, the story of uh, Richard Pryor is uh, an engineer and he loses his job and he then has to get another job. And then part of that job means that they need to move to a place called Boise in um, in Idaho. Again, that may be a real place. It may be an anagram or something. 
um, Boise in Idaho, and he has to tell his family that they're going to move, and then the whole thing kicks in about they got to sell the house, they got to move house, they got to find the right moving guys, then they've, you know, comedy, hilarity ensues. Um, the thing that struck me uh, about it, first and foremost, is it, it does kind of have a sort of, it does sort of have kind of a National Lampoon's vibe about it. Uh, the whole sort of, um, you know, you're focused on, you focused on the one family, you've, you're focused on a family guy who is trying to do the best by his family and things keep going wrong, things keep getting worse. People around him are sort of these caricatures um, of human beings uh, and also uh, Randy Quaid is next door. Uh, so you know, it, it does have that sort of that sort of national lampoon's vibe about it. Um, it takes some really odd turns along the way. Uh, it, it feels like, in parts, it, it sort of it goes right now. We've got to do this, and then it sort of takes a long time to do whatever it is that that they're doing. So it'll be like, right, so where do we start here? Okay, well, we're starting at home and this is the family. We're going to introduce everybody. So now we need to introduce everybody. Okay, this is Richard Pryor. Uh, he has weird, trippy dreams about uh, about people trying to steal his Saab. Um, and this is his wife and this is his daughter. And it sets everybody out like that. And then it sort of goes, all right, now, so Richard Pryor's going to work. Now he's got to lose his job. So it's like, right, okay, let's, let's sort out getting him to, to lose his job. Da, 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 da. bang now he's lost his job right now he needs to look for a job okay let's see him trying to look for a job da, 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 da. Richard Pryor's looking for a job he can't get a job then he just sort of out of the blue gets called into an office and they're like yeah we think you're the best thing since sliced bread we're going to give you a job and then we're moved on to how's he going to tell his family how's he you know and then the move starts all that type of thing it feels very sort of um plotted sort of in a way it feels like this is the thing we're doing now and now we're doing this thing and now we're doing this thing um but that's good because it sort of allows it to behave almost like not a sketch show but but like a sitcom almost it, yeah. it feels very sitcommy in that in that respect you sort of you're dealing with little pockets of drama that are wrapped in comedy um and yeah, so it, it takes these odd turns and it is really supposed to be about essentially about them moving house and all the things that can go wrong with that, all the, the hilarious uh, stuff that can happen with that. But in reality, the actual move happens in the middle of the film. And it's relatively quick, really, compared to everything else. Yeah. Mm. The focus of everything is is around, as I say, the losing the job and the, the, the getting a new job and the 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 packing up and stuff like that um so the move in itself is kind of is sort of a small part in the middle really um another thing it does kind of remind me of is it's got sort of a cosby vibe to it um it feels kind of it feels like low i'd say it feels like low tier richard Pryor. he would have been 48 at the time so it wasn't the very peak, you know, it wasn't the peak of his career, but he was still doing good stuff. Um, but it feels like a sort of lower tier prior thing where only in so much as he feels a bit like he's being held back a little bit and it's they've tried to put him in a sort of Cosby-esque vehicle. So 
the R rating that this that this film like came out with apparently is a little bit like really did you just give it an R rating because Richard Pryor is there, there's, a known there, there's literally a few random f bombs yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's yeah. all it is otherwise this would be a PG-13 like no one's business well that's it and it was released in the UK uh, on one home video with a 15 rating that in 1999 so that seems a bit closer to the time to that time I think I would expect this to be a 15 back then I think if you release it no it, it, it maybe wouldn't get that but um, yeah so um it's got that kind of Cosby vibe. I think you get that straight away in the opening, um, the opening sequence with the music. It's got a very sort of like um, saxophony Cosby-esque sort of opening track, which is nice. Um, and it starts off really strong as well because you've got that really trippy dream sequence where you're introduced to Randy Quaid um, early on, and Randy Quaid's creeping. Randy Quaid is creeping about in. Uh, in Richard Pryor's garage for some reason um, and then Richard Pryor attacks him and, and it, as it's the 80s Richard Pryor in his dream is a sort of master of martial arts because that's what everybody wanted to be in the 1980s um, and Pryor is sort of um, has this deep deep love of his $26,000 Saab um, and, and he's sort of defending his Saab so that's great because you get introduced to Randy Quaid Um and it's got to be said, if there's somebody that steals the show, it's fucking Randy Quaid, isn't it? Um, yeah. Quaid is absolutely brilliant, in it? I think you've got that first scene with the fight in the garage, then there's the scene where he's physically assaulting the paper boy. Oh, that's... <laughs> the punchline <laughs> on the end of that scene is fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that is that the sort of like uh, you're like I hear you lost a job maybe you could be a paper boy because this one's shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. it's, just him, it's just him dragging him from the from the yeah. shrub to the to the to, to the porch on the porch porch flat hard um, concrete <laughs> shrub leafy green. After you've gotten to know him, after you've gotten to know him a little bit, and the story's moved on a little bit, and the family are, are in the process of selling the house, he comes around to the house in a suit, carrying a cake, and, you know, his hair sort of slicked down and stuff like that, to give some cake to the potential buyers of the house. Now, while you're watching that bit, you're like, he's going to do something fucking crazy here and mess this up. But he doesn't. He's got a genuine reason for coming around with a cake and he, he confronts Richard Pryor in the kitchen and he's like, I'm bored of you. I need somebody else to play with while he's fucking munching into a banana without peeling it. It's like... <laughs> I know what's inside. <laughs> yeah, I know what's inside. Uh, and when he bites into that banana as well, it's, it's great just watching Richard Pryor look at him like... What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, it think, is almost, you do get a feeling like that wasn't in the script. No, and he, I was just, does that. Yeah. Richard Pryor goes. That's exactly what I've got written down here. That feels totally ad libbed. It's ad, it really genuinely does. Um, so yeah, Randy Quaid absolutely steals the show. Um, more so when I think he's the original neighbour 
than sort of later on. I preferred yeah. the original neighbor because obviously yeah. he plays the brother in the new uh, the new next door as well. Um, but as we've kind of touched on, he's not the only um, he's not the only supporting actor in here. There is a very surprising uh, cameo from Morris Day of the time, um, who, when the daughter realizes that she doesn't want to move to Boise, she decides to just marry some random bloke, um, and it's Morris Day from the time, which is just beautiful because. Um, you get to just look at that man's face for a while and he is just the most fascinating man in the world um, and when he's describing to Richard Pryor uh, when he's describing to Richard Pryor how he's going to look after him I'm going to look after your daughter and that's how it's, it's like it's, you, you feel angry on Richard Pryor's behalf because you're yeah. like he is going to rinse your daughter <laughs> um, it's the way he says tastefully yeah. <laughs> but it's just his, his eyes when Richard Pryor is yeah. shouting at him. Like, just the way his eyes seem to bulge out of this skull. I mean, yeah. like, fuck, man. That guy has got some comic presence. Oh, yeah. It, fe- he feels, it feels a little bit like that he could have done a lot more, really. Mm. I mean, because we're aware of him, but I think generally speaking, people don't know who the time are. Yeah. Mm. And it feels like a shame because certainly, you know, I mean, their appearance in outside of the music in Purple Rain, they are the best thing about Purple Rain. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, so it, it really feels like I would have, I would love to have seen, you know, Prime Morris Day in a lot more 1980s stuff. Um, that would be fantastic, but it's going to happen now. Um, Elsewhere, we've got uh, Dana Carvey. So this is an early appearance for Dana Carvey. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think he was probably a Saturday Night Liver at the time. So this yeah, he was. Opportunity for them to sort of showcase his talent, in inverted commas. Uh, I, I didn't mind him, but that sort of style of silly dress-up humour doesn't really do that much I, for me. I did, I did like the fact that there's a good couple of scenes where he is completely normal and it is yeah. like, what the fuck is going to happen? Where's, yeah, where's this going? Uh, and, and, then, but, and then where it's going is the most ridiculous thing you could possibly imagine. But even just like, because I was convinced that as soon as he got in the car, he was just going to peel off and he yeah. doesn't. He drives away very carefully. It was like, right, where the fuck is that going? <laughs> and then and then you get the reveal, and it's like, okay, well, I could never have guessed that. No, but that's the thing. How did, because I, I might have missed this, how did they come to be reading an issue of Psychology Today? The kids just go over to the uh, the magazine stand um, when they're going to the restaurant slash yeah. store. Right. And is he on the cover or something? Yeah. Oh, I must have missed that. That's right, okay. That's a weird one. Um, so, yeah, you've got Dana Carvey thrown in there, um, and he's great. I think Richard Pryor sort of... Richard Pryor is kind of not the straight guy here, but he's kind of... It feels a little bit like... Like I say, Richard Pryor feels a bit reined in here. It feels like he's the guy that the comedy is happening to, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to... In, in other films where he is very much the, the comedic vehicle. Um, 
But I think there are sort of certain little moments where you can see the the, the manic humour in his eyes, sort of trying to creep out. I think the, the, the bit at first where where he's given his boss the wrong finger and he's trying to tell his boss <laughs> in a sort of trance and he's like, I gave him the wrong finger. And like you can kind of see that sort of Richard Pryorness bursting to come out, but it doesn't. Um, obviously, it does at the end. Um in a, in a very very weird turn of events that um, that could probably never happen now. Um, so you know, the last twenty minutes he sort of snaps uh, and he and he sort of he gets his he gets his moment to sort of freak out and go crazy. It's not like a sort of and this is what makes it so like quintessentially nineteen eighties. It's not like a sort of Clark Griswold having a swearing fit or. Basil Faulty sort of whipping his car with a branch. He gets tooled up with like semi-automatic machine guns and stuff. <laughs> Just, like, what? <laughs> this is this is not this is inappropriate. Like so um so that was kind of a shock. And he gets that sort of moment of redemption at the end. I, I uh, which is I, I was convinced that everything after they moved was an anxiety dream. I was yeah. convinced. Yeah. Like it just it's some of the shit that happens is so surreal. Like the whole taking the doors and the pool. <laughs> like, and just like he calls the guy and the guy's like, Well I got it all on tape. Different I person. <laughs> it, it, it just it's fucking like that and the, the multiple personalities and the psychotic moving men and Randy Quaid the Rodney, being the there. Da- the Rodney Dangerfield scene is fucking weird as well. Yeah, the Rodney Dangerfield scene, it's, it's, I, was, I was watching this with X, and the Rodney Dangerfield scene, she kind of turned looks at me and went, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield has got, we saw Morris Day's reaction face. The great moment oh, where Rodney Dangerfield basically pulls out the TV and says, I've got a great thing. This horse has never lost on wet ground. And then the next line is, I have never seen a, a, a horse <laughs> this dry. And he kind of looks at the at, at yeah. the at the TV thing. It's just, Rodney Dangerfield is one of those people in small doses can be very, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> But he has to be in very, very small doses because essentially he has one shtick and it's funny. But if it's done too much or more often more than like a couple of minutes at a time, it stops being funny. I can cope with him in this, I can cope with him in like Taddy Shack. Yeah. Um, but all right, no, don't. Um, but I think I would never be able to sit through back to school. Uh, I think it yeah. just be too much. Yeah, I, I, I've I've watched Back to School and it is it, 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 there's a lot going on with him in that. I'm pretty sure weirdly, I Back to School was directed by the same guy. Yeah, same guy. Yeah. What well, Alan Matter um, or whatever his name is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I think I did see Back to School way back in the day. I'm pretty sure I did, but I, I don't know. It probably just washed over me. I can't really remember it now. I think I'd struggle with it. I mean, if you're talking about Morris Day's eyes looking like they're going to fall out of his head, yeah, yeah. Rodney Dangerfield's eyes like worryingly look like they're going to fall out of his head. Like, I, I think they did at some point. That there's like it's a medical condition or something. Um, yeah, he, he looks like the fucking um, the, the disguise that Schwarzenegger wears in Total Recall. That's exactly what I thought. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. 
That is exactly what... No, 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 that's not exactly what I thought. I thought that he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end of Total Recall. Oh, yeah, that's a good show, actually. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was what popped into my head. But, um, yeah, so it's yeah. a film that's sort of peppered with these weird moments. And the weird moments, I think, um, are what sort of keeps you ticking along. Because it isn't, it isn't a laugh a minute. It's just a sort of surreal moment a minute. Um, there's obviously the, the, the bits we've mentioned, I think there's the surreal moments that don't quite connect as well. So like the, the swear jar scene where the mum's sort of throwing oh, down these on the table. Did, did you, did it's you, just a really odd situation. Did you notice later on there's the second swear jar with a check in it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Ian, you mentioned the sellers as well. The, the I thought it was hilarious how they completely like that the guy is like a different person. Yeah, so he's all like, "We're taking it with us," <laughs> and all very sort of like preppy and, and stuck up. And then when he's on the phone to him later, he's he's talking like a sort of New York gangster. Yeah, yeah, I said I was gonna do it. Right, what's the matter with you? So <laughs> he's yeah, like a yeah. different person. Um, Stacey Dash situation her arc is a bit odd they, they they put a lot of effort into her at first mm. and then it's almost like they sort of go uh, we need to crack on now so let's just oh, okay you can stay here and live with the neighbors like it, they and maybe just so that they can bring her back at the end and it's a sort of happy reunion it, it feels a bit disposable really what they build up that kevin thing and then it's the wedding scene it's like no he didn't want to marry me so i'm marrying this other guy instead then you never hear from kevin again like it was very odd yeah it feels like they just sort of dispose of that idea quite quickly and i mean it's fine It, it gives something else to the film early on to have her sort of going up against them but it, it, it does sort of get dropped a little bit and I, you have to sort of wonder maybe it would have been better if she was just like a you know similarly to um uh you know national lampoons if she was just sort of like the the bemused daughter just sort of trying to take in the ridiculousness of these situations mm. I don't know. um so yeah but it's it's a film that could never happen now um it feels very much of its time for all the reasons i've i've mentioned and i think that's what i really enjoyed about it it feels like a weird time capsule um so everything from the opening music to randy quaid to the little moments like the weird soft focused musical sequence where they're dancing through the kitchen there's just all these little yeah there's just all these little moments that just remind you that this is a film from 1988 at that sort of weird late 80s period where you'd, you'd see films with just random little moments in like that um and yeah, it's, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a good movie, but the the sort of flashes of joy that it has, and, and the sheer oddness of it all, and the the things that you laugh at, and you're like, I should I be laughing at this? This is odd. Um, make it sort of make it well worth well worth watching, and absolutely recommended. I would say it is you know it isn't sort of premium prior as I've said. I think when you consider that. Prior did see no evil, hear no evil, which is probably mm. my favourite out and out comedy of all time. You know, as far as straight up comedies is concerned, there's not 
there's not a lot of films that I laugh more at than Sino Evil Illinois. Um, yeah, it's not to that level. Gap. Yeah, there's a mass, and, and you know, a lot of that's to do with Gene Wilder, but um, uh, you know, it, it is a huge, huge gap. Um, but I'm surprised that I've never seen it as well. That's the thing. I'm surprised that it never, surprised that it's never cropped up. Um, but overall, definitely enjoyed it. I had loads of laughs with it, um, <clears throat> and just had a really fun time with it. So I have no. Uh, no problems whatsoever recommending it to the right person, I think. Yeah, I, I, I rented it for £2.49 on Amazon, and it was like, yeah, I'm £2.49 well spent. Oh, yeah. Good. Fabulous. So, um, another hit there, definitely, um, with moving my gift from Mark. And we move on to the final film then. Change um, of pace, isn't so, it? This is a change of pace. Let's do this. Fucking right it is, yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like the one show in here now, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, very good. Yeah, so uh, my uh, recommendation to Ian was a movie from 2012 called Wish You Were Here, which I believe I saw in 2012. Um, Yeah, I saw it in 2012. Can't remember what the situation was. Um, It certainly wasn't a festival film, but I've always thought of it as kind of the type of film that would do very well at a festival, potentially. Mm. Yeah. so that's one of the reasons that I picked it. But the one thing that's always stuck with me about it, and having rewatched it now, I can safely say, you know, I was right. I was absolutely right about what I feel like I was right about, is it's a perfect example of a great, and I, I love it when a film does this right, a great movie where you don't need the answers straight away. It just lets things fall out for you. So it's it's edge of your seat stuff, and you're, I found it on both watches. I found it desperately, desperately engaging. Like I'm desperate to see what happens next, and exactly where is this going? Like just watching this puzzle um, come together, um, and yet it doesn't really feel like a film that people have talked about. And I just feel like it's a film that more movie, that I, it feels like a movie that more people should see. And it feels like the type of film that I think Ian would enjoy um, watching come together in that that regard. So definitely a different tone from moving. So uh, let's knock things down again, Ian. And what did you think of Wish You Were Here? Yeah, cool. So I, I like, like you say, man, I'd never heard of it. You know, so like you gifted it to me. I was like, oh, Joel Edgerton, he looks a bit serious. Okay, that'll be interesting. Um Teresa Palmer. Did you know? Did you did you know anything about the story? No, no, nah, nah, not a fucking thing. Yeah. Not a thing. So, like, I was kind of, yeah, and it, it kind of gets you in straight away with that whole kind of, um, you know, they're kind of like journeying around and whatnot, and then they're partying, and then there's that like the sequence just before the title card of Joel Edgerton just kind of like walking dazed, and then it's like, right, okay, what the fuck's happened there then? And I, I and I like the way that it's kind of secrets upon secrets. Um, you know, so you kind of think for a while, you've, you're like, it's like, right, what, what's going on between Edgerton and Palmer then? And then that's like revealed. But then it's like, okay, but then 
what is going on with Edgerton? Because that still doesn't seem to be the thing. There still seems to be something else there. But he, like the fact that he's also having to like deal with the fallout from him fucking his wife's sister. Um, but then, you know, you've got like the like somebody seemingly following him and like the person in the car talking to his wife. Um, and yeah, I agree. Like the way it kind of like just gives you bits and bobs every now and then, like little clues as to what's going on. And it kind of builds things up, but then not in a, not in a genre movie way either, because it's definitely interested in character over Mm -hmm. events. You know, like the the bit where Edgerton kind of com- like says, like kind of confesses to his wife that they that he fucked her sister. I was kind of surprised that happened that early, and it's like, okay, well, the film's obviously not that bothered about that. Then that's that's interesting. So, what is it concerned yeah. about? At the same time, it devotes an awful lot of time to how she deals with that. You Which know, so this is a this is a film that is about this situation which is primarily the Joel Edgerton, Theresa Palmer situation. And then it, 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 it switches over to, to the wife for a while to just wallow in how she's scrabbling to cope with the fact that her husband fucked her sister. And I, I think she's very good as well. Like, I didn't really recognise yeah. um, that, that actress, but she, I, feel, I thought she really, really held her own. And just the whole kind of like, the, like trying to hold it together first, like the kind of the, the stages of reacting to what he did where first off it's trying to hold it together and then it's kind of breaking down and then it's like just drinking basically like it it felt it felt real um i will say that i think if this film was released now i think that people would probably have quite a bit of criticism for the ending and i wasn't wholly satisfied with it just because it almost felt like Edgerton got let off the hook. Uh, And, you know, so by the end of it, it's like, okay, they're moving and, you know, they seem to be a relatively happy family again. But then Teresa Palmer, her last scene is her saying to her sister, well, what am I going to do now? What about me? And then, well, not her last scene, but like they do have a little bit of a kind of re-coming together towards the end. But, it kind of felt like they dropped her and I thought the reveal of why Joel Edgerton's character was acting the way he was, was really powerful. Um, and, but I felt like his character almost got, got away too lightly. I totally, Um, I totally agree with, I totally agree with you on the ending and how it does sort of drop, it does drop her character. The one thing I would say, just 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 to counteract that, just a little sure, bit. Sure, sure, sure. Please do. Is is the the actual reveal of the sex scene between Joel Edgerton and Teresa Palmer? Mm. It feels very because um, you've got that moment where he's he's sort of holding his head in his hands and he's like I, I, he's like it meant absolutely nothing. I can barely even remember it. We were absolutely fucked. It really treats it that way and it really treats it like it was a stupid mistake that, mm. that they that he really can't even barely remember so it's sort of yes he does get away with it 
But at the same time, you get the feeling that he, and especially when he breaks down when they're sat on the patio together, mm. you get the feeling that he is really genuinely fucking sorry and he I, can't believe this happened. Yeah, and I he's mean, just a sort of victim of an awful situation. Not a victim, that's not the right word, but, you know, it's just a, a horrible situation. And if they can just move on, then, I, you know... I, th- th- there is that, but there are little hints, though. Like, there are a couple of lingering him he is leaning yeah like checking her out and there's the the bit where his wife and Teresa palmer's boyfriend they're having that chat kind of far away on the beach and he helps her up and then he's looking at it almost like well if may all right then maybe i'll crack on to Teresa Palmer. It, it feels, yeah. it, it 100%, it does feel, it, it, I do totally believe that he regrets it and that it was a quick thing and neither of them really meant it. But I think there are signs that he was a little bit, yeah. Interested I, in it. I, I'd, have, I'd have a crack. You know, you, you know it, yeah. I mean, Mark, did you watch this? I did indeed, yeah. Yeah, what did you think? Uh, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Um, like you say, it's the the fact that 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 that, that reveal quite early on uh, that they've slept together, you kind of go, "All right, so that is that isn't the mystery. Yeah, then. Yeah. That isn't that's there's something else there." Because at, at, at first, cause I knew a, I knew a little bit about it that it was that. I knew the basic kind of story and I'd seen the tile crop up because it used to be on, I think it used to be on Netflix. Um, and so I'd, I'd hovered over it a few times because of the, the, the Joel Edgerton factor. Um, and then I thought, right, well, there's going to be a, no, 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 there's going to be a lot of bounce about. Then it's that came out. It's like, all right, okay. And then it, it still keeps you going. And like you say, it, it builds its time up to the, to, to getting to what it is to where you are going I want to know what's fucking going on now. Mm, yeah. And it, it, it never well, gets to the point where, where you go, do you know what? I've stopped giving a shit. It is funny as well that we've talked quite a lot about the relationships angle of it. And actually, you know, the, the key mystery we're only just kind of talking about now. We have talked a lot about like the Joe Ledgerton, um, what's her name? Theresa Palmer. The love triangle. Yeah, Theresa Palmer. That sort of, situation whereas actually as you say the mystery is something else and that's yeah not, you know but it's it, i'm not saying that that's a lesser that's a lesser a less interesting thing i just mean it's great that a film that has that sort of genre leaning like that can have such dedication to spending time showing this horrible relationship situation in the middle of it as well. Yeah, 100% you, agree with that. Keep yeah. you locked in like that. Yeah. Sorry, Mark, carry on with what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think the fact that um, that what, they're, what they keep doing is they keep saying, oh, well, you know, <laughs> is there a possibility he saw you? And he's like, no, there's no way he saw me. How do you know? I, I just know there's no way he saw it happening. And it's like, you know, me sleeping with that has, has nothing to do with it. And then you kind of go... Do you know what? It actually kind of does. You don't think it does, but you wouldn't be in that bar yeah. if that hadn't have happened. So it does have it's something guilt. to do it's with it. It's his guilt that got him killed, isn't it, really? Yeah. Because he wasn't, you know, when he when he's reacting to the, you know, the Vietnamese, Vietnamese mafia like he is doing and lashing out in that way, yeah, he's doing it because he's drunk. Yeah, he's doing it because of that situation with that little girl. But he's doing it because he's... 
He wants to lash out at someone else for something that they're doing rather than think about the things that he's, you know, crushed over with guilt. Yeah, well, it's it's that, in that, it, he's in that frame of mind. It's that toxic masculinity thing. It's the it's the refute, like almost like he's going to lash out at the world because he doesn't want to admit, like he doesn't want to confront the the shit that he has done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I'm I'm a dickhead and I've been a dickhead, but you're a bigger dickhead for doing this. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm allowed to sort of lash. I am I am now in a position where I am justified and I am above this person, so I'm allowed to attack. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, it, yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I mean, it, it is the character stuff that is the stuff that drives this film. Um, and I mean, I, I, Felicity Price, I believe the 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 the, the, the actress she, is. Yeah, she uh, she co-wrote it. Oh, that's really. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, she's the wife really? of uh, the director. Right, because yeah, she's in another film that he directed as well. I noticed the jewel. That's the. the not Chris Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson film. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I know she's in The Gift as well, which Joel Edgerton directed, didn't he? So it's... Yeah. Um, that's a good flick, that, The Gift. Um, so Gift is a good flick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, like she's she's fantastic. And the that, that whole... Like, she sells the kind of, like, drinking with the bait, like, with, like, while pregnant thing. And it's like, the, just, like, the whole kind of lashing out at him yeah. by getting at the kid inside her thing it's such a dark but it kind of feels real like you you can't you do kind of understand where she's coming from in that moment as fucked as it is just yeah. you know just because she's hating her husband in that in that scene and how does she lash out at him she does that but then the the, that drive as well that's very intense because mm. you know something's going to happen yeah. you yeah. know it and it's like they because they do really well with like the, the fact that it's really rainy and that the wipers are quite slow and you're kind of thinking is something going to come out of nowhere that she's not going to see because the wipers no no that's just a t-bone surprise as as film junk call it um but which work and it works really well and yeah. you do you do think, right, shit, her or the baby are going to die. And I'll, I'll be honest, in terms of Edgerton's character getting away with it, I kind of would have thought if one of them had died in terms of narrative terms, there would have been some sort of sacrifice there. I mean, yes, he, he like he's basically suffering PTSD, and that's obviously a horrible thing to have to go through. But again, I'm just... I'm get I'm getting hung up on it, but I just don't feel like he pays as yeah, much as he should. No, and it doesn't. The end, the actual very ending doesn't help with that either because it is so kind of abrupt. And I had forgotten about that actually. The, the ending and it is a little bit. It is the sort of yeah. I mean, you don't want them to sort of make up and live happily ever after. I appreciate the way that they're sort of. You know, there's you get the sense that the resolution to this is that they're going to work their way their way through it in in a very and and when I say that I emphasise the words work and through they're really going to fucking struggle but they will work through this because it's you know they've been through so much but but it doesn't necessarily you know like you say what happens to uh, what happens to Theresa Palmer's character and but I, I mean also I mean like she she. She says 
to Teresa Palmer. Like I can't, I can't leave him almost like it's a practicality kind of thing. And it's that, that's the thing. It's like, she's trapped. Um, but then he tells her the truth and he breaks down and cries. And it's like, right, you know what? Actually, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll work through it. It, it, like, it, and it is the fact that ending is abrupt and the fact that, do you know what? It turns out the guy who died actually was a bit of a wrong one. So, you know, never mind. You know, it's, it, it, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, like, I was, I was really, really, really into it kind of until that ending. And then it, it lost me a bit. But the stuff before that, I thought was really strong. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I'd say that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I recommend it. Like, don't get me wrong. I recommend it. It's, um, you know, it's another showcase for how good an actor Joel Edgerton actually is. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I, I think everyone in the film is actually really good. I mean, the kids in it are, like, really realistic as well. Like, that kid fucking saying, I want ice cream, I want ice cream. Yep, I fucking relate yes. to that shit. And just the way he just gives up and just gives the kid the ice cream. Like, you think he's going to shout at him, but he doesn't. He just gives him the ice cream. It's like, yeah, that, that feels like something that would be done. <laughs> See, I, I, I was the opposite of that. I was like, if he gives him the fucking ice cream, I'm going to be fucking pissed off. And he gives him the ice cream. It's like, right, that's fine, fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the opposite. Another reminder there that, that that Mark's daughter is now a long, long way away from uh, from being two, three years, four years old. Mm. I, 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 I was such a con with that. I, I was like, oh, the ice cream, right, right. So, so you said it twice now. Yeah, you know, I'm it then. Uh, we was, I, I, we were, we were, we were bastards. I bet she cried a lot. <laughs> no, she didn't actually. No. She probably still does. No, no. Yeah. Like no. she's, she's. It, it, it's all like welled up inside in some kind of child fucking ulcer that's developing, and she's gonna fucking stick us in some really fucking rancid fucking retirement home when we fucking go. Nice. But you know what? I'll probably if you last that long. <laughs> yeah, if I last that long, which is unlikely. Hmm. Uh, okay well good i'd I would play it forward yes yes yeah. fantastic all right three hits i think yeah. all very different films mm-hmm. as well which is always nice um and uh i'm certainly happy to to have moving in my um uh, in my collection i'll get i'll get back to it again one day so uh, all right um so the next show should we give a little bit of a uh teaser reveal of the next show so um for the next show ian will be giving to oh, neil eel again ian has given to me um i have given to mark i did send you that didn't i mark uh i don't think so no didn't i let me check um and Mark will be given to Ian. So, Ian, first of all, what will you be sending my way? Or what oh, have you sent my way? It is part two of the <laughs> fuck off, guys, Guy Ritchie's great double bill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we only reviewed it on the show last year, but fuck it. We're going to talk King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Yep. I'm looking forward to rewatching that so again. Am I. I'm pumped. <laughs> Which works, which works perfectly because on the last play it forward where you gave me um, the man from Uncle, I think my last word on it was 
I fucking definitely need to watch King Arthur right now. So um, so that was good. Nice. We will uh, we'll pick up that. Um, I have given to Mark, or I'll have to check that because I can't remember whether I actually sent the film or not. Um, I've given to Mark, and the movie that I'm giving to Mark is CQ. So yes. um, CQ's an, uh, an odd little film that I saw a long time ago, and it, it had... It had a real impact on me, uh, directed by Roman Coppola, um, and I really remember enjoying it. So mm. I'm looking forward to seeing what Mark thinks and what Ian thinks. I'm also kind of looking forward to revisiting it as well. Yeah, straight um, up, so am I. It's a, it's a stylish little thing, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it holds up. I, um, I, Mark, I, I think he's going to like elements of it, but be annoyed but as fuck by some of it. <laughs> Prediction. Either way. Yeah, yeah. There are certain actors in there that could send him the other way. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward yeah, to watching Mark, that. You've given to Ian, and remind me because I've forgotten what you've given to Ian. I haven't announced it. I think I haven't. Oh, have you not? That's why. That's why I don't know. No, yeah, I was no, going to uh, say I wasn't aware of it either. No, uh, I I only go give because often with these I, I wait and I pick up for when Ian said I've never seen that, uh, and this is one where when oh, we started out it? playing it forward, I've had this in my brain to give to Ian for a while um, on these, and it is my chance now. I did have a look through the 4K stuff and thought I wanted to give him some 4K, but there's just no, nothing I fine. can find in it's there. Fine. Um, but uh, I am going to gift Ian and I don't think you've seen it because you haven't spoken about it on um, Dude the Monkey I don't okay. think unless I've completely missed it um, <laughs> the Oliver Stone movie Platoon oh shit fucking oh. You know, I got through the first half hour of Platoon maybe like five years ago while I was in the projection booth and then I turned it off because it was the end of my shift and for some reason I never got back to it yes please yeah, so that's what I'm gifting oh. Ian is, is, is Platoon. Ace. Ace. I love that film. I'm oh, very much going to enjoy watching that. Yeah, yeah nice yeah. one, Mark. Cracking. Because I, I think at some point Platoon will end up getting a 4K as well. So. Yeah, probably will. Oh, I'm fucking bang up for that. Yeah, good choice, Mark. Good. So is that how that works? If you buy it on HD and it gets re- released as a 4K, they just automatically upgrade? Yeah, doesn't cost yeah. any extra. Like, I, 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 I've got like 60 something 4k films on Apple TV now it's mental that's really cool mm. excellent I'm going to look forward to, to rewatching Platoon yeah, it's, it's probably right. been it's uh, what I will say as well is, since I saw that. Nice. Is, is I found out today that um, the if I watch iTunes movies on my um, iPad it does it in HDR. Oh, have you got the iPad Pro? I've got the iPad Pro, yeah. yeah. it does, yeah. Yeah, my iPhone 8 does that as well. They look nice. Do they? I, I, thought, I thought you were, Mark, I thought you were going to say that. I found out that if I rent two movies on my iPad, <laughs> Video Man's going to come around and give me two movies to keep. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give it a fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> Strong. <laughs> No, that video man's probably in jail still now. Probably <laughs> <laughs> jail, yeah. Most of them. Do you know what's really weird? The few weeks after when we rented the next movies, um, we rented those, we rented like two movies after, and you're supposed to come back the following week and just never fucking came back. There you are. <laughs> yep. So I got Kickboxer, <laughs> uh, the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, like the Van Damme movies at the time, and I can't remember what else it was I got. 
I end up with two other movies. Oh, it was the uh, kid and play movie class act. Oh, gosh. You know what? Though you didn't grow up in the you didn't grow up in the eighties and nineties if you didn't sort of move house once or twice and keep a couple of videos and end up with a couple of rental videos among your collection. Like that yep. happened to me a few times. Uh, yeah, it's always frustrating because obviously you never had the cover. But there you go. Uh, that's life. Yeah. Real. So good show. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And um, so until next time. Um, Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening, guys.